This is not a funeral, but we are going to be in Psalm 23, which you often hear at funerals, and um, which uh, I think uh, sadly, well, not sadly misplaced. I've used it at funerals, but it's a, it's a real, really a psalm uh, for the living. Much of Scripture speaks to us. You know, when you, when you read Scriptures, a lot of it speaks to us. Psalms has a little bit, a, little, a lot of the Psalms have a little bit of a different twist. We've been going over Psalms with the guys on Tuesday mornings, and we've been going over different Psalms. And one of the things that's become very clear there, but also very clear as you read through the Psalms, Psalms often speak for us. You know, they, they express some of the things, some of them, which I wouldn't dare say to God, uh, you know, but uh, they, their psalms really speaks uh, for us in, in ways sometimes that, that um, we, we don't always do real well on ourselves. I'm going to be in Psalm 23 for three weeks. That's my plan. We'll see how that works out. Um, but so t- today we're just going to cover part of it. My hope as we look at this is really that it's my hope pretty much every Sunday when I share with you. Uh, that you, you, you will see God in a much fuller light because of what we look at. That you'll be drawn deeper into his word and then therefore deeper into his heart. And I hope that results in you walking with him. And if it gets into your heart, that, that will be a result of it. Let's pray. We're going to get into Psalm 23. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. What a great gift it is to us. We sometimes forget that. We talk about communication, and and it is communication, and we pray to you, and you answer in so many ways. One of the ways you have answered for me over and over again has been through your word, and I deeply appreciate that, the way in which you have made your word very real to us and very real to me. I pray that you would do that this morning. As we look at Psalm 23, it might remind us, well, it pulls us into some other passages too, but... um, it refers to us as sheep, and you know exactly each one of your sheep, each one of your people, intimately, deeply, totally. Um, I'm asking that you would speak to their hearts today. I thank you for how you have spoken to mine as I studied this and had opportunity to dig in a little bit. What a great gift it has been. Um, So continue to replicate your work in the lives of your people, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to be in Psalm 23, as I mentioned. It's on page 497 in the Pew Bible, if that's what you're using. We're simply going to uh, cover the, the first three verses today. This psalm shows us who God is as well as what God does. And, uh, you know, to be able to get a better look at that, I think, is a good thing. uh, Follow along verse 1. Uh, it says, and if, you're, if you didn't use a pew Bible and you pulled it up on something else, it might read a little different because, you know, this is from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now, that's, that, that, that's all we're going to cover today, but I want to look at these verses a little bit more slowly. You know, it starts that, that very first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I lack. This is a verse, and it's, it's a, a verse that is a statement, a declaration, followed by the result. You know, in fact, it's followed by several results in the verses that follow, but they all full, flow from that initial declaration there, the Lord is my shepherd. 
Now, when we read that, we're usually drawn to the performance of a shepherd, meaning what the shepherd does, the things he does. You know, he leads, he feeds, you know, and, and he defends. And we are drawn to that and to that picture. And that's a good picture. And it certainly is unfolded through this psalm and what we, you know, what we go through. And we will be looking at part of that as we go through it today and in the weeks to come. But this first verse draws our attention to the person of the shepherd. That's what it really does. And don't lose that focus. In fact, take time to make that focus, that person of the shepherd. You know, th- this is, that, that is what the, res- the, the results of what the rest of the psalm flows from. The rest of the psalm flows from this initial declaration that the Lord is my shepherd. You know, now, you know, we're sheep and we may chafe at that just a little bit to be pictured as sheep, uh, you know, who need a shepherd. At least some of us chafe at it. Now others are, oh, yeah, no, just lead me along. I'm fine. I'm fine being led, you know. Whoop. Uh, you know, and, and as I was working on the sermon, I was going to say, you know, we all chafe at being a sheep. But, yeah, some of us don't. Some of us get into that. I, I'm not the one who, you, you, you who know me know that. I'm not the one exactly that, get, that, that gets into that. You know, I don't, it's, I'm not just a tell-me-what-to-do kind of guy. I'm uh, anyway. Uh, the truth is, we, and we need to grasp this: everybody is following someone. Everybody is following someone. Even those of you who are sitting there thinking right now, not me. I'm, you know, I, I'm doing my, I'm, I, I'm my own person, and I'm free. You know, and uh, no, you're not. You know, I don't want to break your heart, but I do want to wake you up. You are a lemming just like everyone else, and you're just a little bit snoggled that I would even say that about you, but, you know, that I would dare to say you're following someone. What you're following is you're following the person who told you you don't have to follow anyone. You're following the person who said, hey, you're free. You know, don't let them, don't, don't let the man tell you what to do. You know, you, you know, you, I've used that line. Anyway, uh, you know, you, you're following the direction of the person who told you that, uh, so you know just 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 admit it and follow along. Anyway, uh, you know you may you know you may not be able to identify a particular individual, but we are all followers. We all are shepherded along by circumstances, by experiences, by ideas, and by people. You're following someone. Everyone is following someone. You know, even if it's just some of these ideas, they, they came from somewhere, you know, and, and you're following it, and we are, we are moved along by it. You were all following someone or something all the time. I mean, this psalm directs us to the one who should be our shepherd if we claim to have a relationship with God. Now, if we claim to have a relationship with God, then he is the one who should be our shepherd. Now, I say that because some people don't claim to have a relationship with God, and they think they're, they're wholly independent. They're not. But... Um, you know, those of us who have a relationship with God, who say, you know, I, I, I have this relationship, you know, I have a relationship through Christ. However it is, they look at it. This is a statement that should describe us, that the Lord is our shepherd. This is that statement that, that should describe, uh, you know, us. The Lord is my shepherd, not myself. Now, you'll notice the lettering of the word Lord in your Bible. It's a you know, large cap followed by small caps. That's intentionally done by the translators, and that's pretty common. I, I, I was going to say it's, it is common, but you know, some of these new things that disguise themselves as translations but are really paraphrases, uh, they may not. But 
those that are translations, this is, this is one of the ways that, that they did it. It's a, it's a translation of, I was going to say the word, but it's not really a word. It, these are the letters that were in the Hebrew Bible that, because they didn't feel they should, that they should say the name of God. And so there's no vowels in this, you know, so, you know, however, however, however you might pronounce it. Now we transliterate that as, as Yahweh. Uh, because they insert the the vowels from was it Adonai Kent that they the vowels they got yeah they insert the vowels from Adonai into that W A H or Y H W H B and they insert that you know those and it, and it comes out as Yahweh you know or sometimes we say uh, uh, Jehovah. Uh, this is God's covenant name, and this is what he's talking about. This is who he's talking about. This is his covenant name, the name that God gave to Moses in his encounter with the burning bush. Now, God tells Moses, he's sending Moses back to lead his people out of Egypt. And, and Moses is concerned about that because he really he grew quite content and was and was very content to stay on the sidelines and mind his own business. Uh, he had, if you... Brief history of Moses, if you recall, uh, you know he he was in. I was going to say in Exodus, he he is, but um, he was in Egypt, and uh, you know he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter, and all this, and and so then uh, he sees uh, later as he grew, he saw some of the Hebrews being mistreated, and he went and he killed, snuffed uh, one of the Egyptians and then he had to run. He had to flee for his life. So he did. He took off. He flew, fled for his life. And so now he had settled down. He lived, you know, and he was quite content. And now he, you know, he himself, you know, being a shepherd, herding people, and he was quite content to stay there and stay on the sidelines. And God says, I'm going to send you back to Egypt. To, am I talking too fast? I'm going to send you back to Egypt, you know, to lead my people out. And Moses said, can't do it, dude. I am I am busy here with the sheep. Um, I'm not a good speaker, and you I I, I must have got somebody else's call because this is this is not me and this is not my thing. And he was real content, you know, to stay there. But uh, you know, he gives uh, he he was he gave God a series of excuses, looking for a way not to respond to God's calling. You know, Moses saying, you know, who. who if you send me there, who should I even say sent me? You know, this is a ridiculous. This is a ridiculous journey you're sending me on. Who should I say sent me if I go and talk to these people? And God's response was, "I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you." Now the phrase "I am" is it's an unusual rendering of the Hebrew word meaning to be. You know, and what he's talk, talking about there, it points out to one who remains constant because he is independent. You know, he is constant because he is independent. He is completely and utterly other than us. We forget that sometimes because we, you know, we talk about that we're made in God's image, and we are. But don't get the don't bring don't bring God down to us. Oh my goodness, what a what a what a tragedy that is when we bring God down to us, you know, because we're made in His image. So what we do is we remake God in our image, and that's not, that's not what it is. You know, we are a, a, a bit of a reflection of Him. We certainly have some of His qualities and things, that he, but don't ever think that God is the same as us. He's not. He is completely independent and completely and utterly other than us. He is who He is without us. 
If we were if we were never to be, he is still who he is. He is eternally who he is from before we were and will remain that until after we are. You know, he is, you know, he is who he is despite our life circumstances. God doesn't change because our life is different. You know, all of a sudden things are just, you know, really hunky-dory and we're going along and, hey, God's a wonderful God. And then something happens and it's like, oh, God, why'd you do this to me? You know, he is who he is despite our circumstances. This phrase, you know, I am who I am, it forces us to admit that there are things about God we will never understand. There are things about him we will never understand. God is who he is simply by the virtue of him being himself. Just by being himself. His existence is from himself and for himself. There is nothing about him that is derived from another. You see, there is from us. We are made in his image and we are derived from him. There is nothing about God that is derived from anyone else. He is absolutely self-sufficient. He is absolutely self-existent. And it says here, he is your shepherd. This is the God who is your shepherd. I don't know who the most influential person you know is. We've all probably, one way or another, one time of, of, of an, and another, have dropped a name. I know, yeah, even if it's just with a friend, just with somebody we've, we've met, and they know somebody that we know, and we think, oh, I know John too. You know, and we got... It, here... God is who He is without anyone, without having to drop it. He is that self-existent one. It's pictured, it's pictured really in the fire in the bush that drew Moses' attention. We refer to it to, as the burning bush. That's, that's very clearly a misnomer when you, read, when you read the passage, when you read it, it's, it, and it's to our detriment. And this is what the passage says in, in Exodus 3. It says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him. The angel of the Lord, when it says the angel of the Lord like that, very often, most often, some people would say all the time, that is a picture of the pre-incarnate Christ. Uh, before Christ, that, Christ was, you realize he was God before he, uh, we're coming up to Christmas. That isn't when Jesus started, just, uh, just a reminder. Uh, it's not when he started, you know, he didn't just start as a baby in a manger, you know, and oh, and now there's Jesus. No, he, he was always part of the Godhead, one God. Uh, and so the, the, when it says the angel of the Lord, there's a picture of that pre-incarnate Christ. It says the angel of the Lord appeared to him, that's Moses, um, in a flame of fire within the bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. You see, he was separate from that. The fire was not dependent upon that bush to burn. That fire was not dependent upon that bush for its energy to be. We, we, we don't see things like that. We, we don't know things like that. It drew Moses' attention because it was something different. This bush was not being consumed. This, this, this fire was totally independent from this bush. It was a pure fire. Fire is often, often pictures the holiness of God in Scripture. 
And here you have that fire, and it's nothing but fire. It's a fire that was a result was was not a result of any other energy source. It didn't need any other source. It had its energy within itself. It's a fire that burns but does not burn out. We don't know a fire like this. It's a fire that burns but doesn't burn out. It doesn't, it doesn't burn up. It's a fire that has no tendency toward destruction. Adam and Amy showed a, a video downstairs, and uh, a pretty cool one. I might use it at Christmas. But anyway, oh, part, well, on part of that picture, there's an explosion next to this big, at least it looks like a big pine tree, and, whoosh, and that pine tree is gone. If you've ever seen a pine tree burn, it's frightening. I mean, it, it is hot. When I was a kid, the, the, the town I lived in, I used to collect all the um, Christmas trees, at Christmas time, it kind of makes sense. Anyway, they'd come, drive around in dump trucks, pick them up, you'd throw it out by the curb, then they'd pile them all in this massive pile in this field. And they would, the fire department would set on a fire, you know, and the whole town comes out because, yeah, everybody likes a fire. Anyway, so, uh, but they, they burn, and it's like, you light it, and it's like, whoosh, and this whole thing, and the heat it just comes out of that thing. And this is what we're used to with fire. Here is a fire. Here is a fire that didn't consume anything. It was, it was not bent on destruction at all. It's not a fire that's consumed by its own activity because the thing that happens, you see, when that, when that fire goes up and flames up and then when it burns out. That's not the picture here. He is the shepherd that you belong to. He is the Lord of the burning bush. And his resources are inexhaustible. His power endures. He is tireless. The one, the one who is your shepherd, he neither needs you to be shepherd, nor does he need to be shepherded. He doesn't need us, nor does he need shepherding himself. He shepherds you from his eternally undiminished fullness. The God of heaven can meet your every need precisely because he is the one who has no need of anything himself. And that's why he can shepherd us. He has no need of anything himself. This is the Lord who is your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus makes a connection for us we need to grasp a hold of. And in John's Gospel, John records it for us where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's exactly what he did on the cross. On the cross, he laid down his life not because he had done anything, not because he had any need, but because we have a need. And because we have that need, because we are sinners, he gave his life on that cross. That good shepherd lays down, laid down his life for the sheep, for us. Not for himself, not for anything he had done, but because of the things we had done. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. But a few chapters earlier, you might remember when Jesus was questioned about his authority and he had done some things, some miracles and things, and they said, you know, and forgiven sins. And well, they said, by what authority do you do, you do this? You know, you, he said, you know, you, you, you're not even 40 years old. You don't know Moses. You know, he's talking about it. And he, he said, you know, I assure you, before Abraham was, I am. 
I am. He took that divine name that God gave to Moses at the burning bush. That is what he's saying here. He took that name and he applied it to himself. Now if you doubt that that's what's happened here, you just read the very next verse and it says they picked up stones to stone him. And why did they pick up stones to stone him? Because he, being a mere man, claimed to be God. They understood very clearly what he was saying. The Lord Jesus, our good shepherd, Yahweh himself, you know, Yahweh himself, the one who came, the one who appeared in that burning bush, you know, that angel who appeared in that burning bush, and here he reveals to them, you know, that, that he himself, you know, that means he is our sufficient shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Our self-sufficient God is not a self-absorbed God. He is not a self-centered God. He is our shepherd, and he makes all of his resources of his infinite fullness available to us, his finite creatures. The rest of the psalm really is an expansion on what it means to have the Lord as your shepherd. Now, if you look at the rest of that psalm, it just expands on that reality of that statement that the Lord is your shepherd. And if, he, if, if the Lord is your shepherd, this is what it means to belong to a God like this. He begins to unfold what it means to belong to a God like this. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. Now, you know, those of us who are used to King James and some of the, you know, the, the Lord is my shepherd, you know, I shall not want. Uh, that's the translation most people are used to hearing. In fact, I think the, I think the ESV even translates it uh, along those lines. The reality is we do have a list of wants. We have a long list of wants. I know I do, and I'm sure you do too. You know, I, I want Barb to get better. I want more money in my savings account. I, I want a new table saw. You know, I, I, I want our president, our vice president, our Congress, our, our senators. I want all of them. I want all of them to come to know Christ as their Savior and to follow them wholeheartedly. I want the Bears to win a game, at least another game. You know, but uh, you know, I shall not want is a very unfortunate translation for our culture because of the picture of what that comes up in our culture. Now, when the King James Bible was translated, in their culture, they used want to indicate a, a need or a lack of something. I want for nothing, meaning that, you know, I am well supplied. So when he says, I shall not want here, you know, it, it's, I, I, it means I, the Lord is my shepherd, so I will not have an unmet need because... I'm connected to this shepherd. Because I am connected to this shepherd, I will not have an unmet need. Now, some of the other translations give us a better understanding than the King James. The New American Standard says, I will not be in need. The NIV, the 2011 NIV, says, I, I lack nothing. And all the translations, I think the Holman Christian Standard gets it very correct. The Lord is my shepherd, so there is nothing I lack. You know, there's nothing I lack. Who God is coordinates with what God does. 
there's that connection there. You know, it's it's uh, you know God God's sovereign independence. It supports it, it enables him to keep his covenant. The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I lack. This means that God will provide me with everything I need. And the focus changes to the provision of the shepherd. The provision of the shepherd. The thrust here is letting Yahweh decide what it is I need. Letting him decide what, let the shepherd decide what it is I need. Training my senses to be better attuned to what God provides. It's right in line with Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. That, this, is, this verse is not at all saying, I don't care you know, if you, what prosperity preacher you listen to, you know, Joyce Myers and some of these other folks, I don't care what they say. This verse is, is not that God will indulge your every lust. That, that is ridiculous. That is heretical. That God will give you everything you want. That is, let's just stick with ridiculous. Uh, you see, the closer you get to God, the more your desires and your wants are refined and purified to line up with God's desires. The more you grow in Him, you know, He develops us. As He develops us, we begin to grasp more and more the desires of God as our driving and guiding force in life. As Him pulling us, you know, that factor in our living. And God is pleased to grant those desires that line up with His. There is nothing that I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He lets me lie down in green pastures because that's the indication that there is more than, en- more than enough when we are with Him. More than enough when we are with Him. Sheep, you know, sheep don't, don't it's unusual for sheep to lie down because they walk around and just munching. There's some grass, there's some clover. And they just kind of keep wandering and they keep going and they keep feeding and they keep doing it. You know. The fact that they lie down is that, that indication that there is an abundance there where they are. That everything they need, all that they need is provided, is provided right there. Nothing, nothing that they lack. And there's rest that comes not from the situation, but from knowing who the shepherd is and that we're safe with him. The kids had fall break. Well, some of our grandkids had fall break uh, a couple weeks ago, and Jenny and I went down to the Children's Museum with some of them. And they had a... Uh, Haunted, it wasn't haunted house, it was like a, a scared liver sausage out of your place set up as a fundraiser, you know, and a haunted mansion or something they called it. I, so we went through there with the kids, and um, you could go through there with the lights on, or you could go through there with the lights off. We chose the lights off. Anyway, we're going through there, and they did a great job. I mean, they did a great job. There are these mannequins sitting there, and then all of a sudden one jumps up at you because it really wasn't a man. Anyway, stuff like that. As we're going through there, 
Somebody grabs my hand, that somebody being one of my grandchildren. Another one grabs onto the back of my shirt. Another one grabs onto my leg. You see, and it's not, not it, it's, it, it, you know, because I'm the bigger guy, I guess. And, and you know, I always told the kids when we were on those trips to the Boundary Waters, you know, I, I didn't have to be able to outrun a bear. I only had to outrun one sixth grader, and I was going to be in good shape. Uh, yeah, so, I, but, but, you know, but so they, 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 why? Because there's comfort that comes when we know that's somebody who loves us and cares for us and will do everything they can to see that we make it is with us. The Lord, the I Am, the God of all creation is with us and He is our shepherd and He is the one and we can lie down because we know we are safe with Him. He is able, and not only is He able, but He will take care of everything that we need to have to be taken care of. I'll, I, you know, I, I lack for nothing because I have His provision. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. There's a reflection here that takes us back to Exodus when God's people traveled from Egypt in Deuteronomy It says, For the Lord God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this immense wilderness. Again, put your mind where they were. You know, the Lord your God has been with you this past 40 years, and you have lacked for nothing. For nothing. All their needs were met. Chapter 15 in Exodus, he says, he's speaking to him, to, to Moses, he says, you will lead the people uh, you have redeemed with your faithful love. Speaking about God, you will, rede- you will lead the people that you have redeemed with your faithful love. Uh, you know, that, that, that word faithful love there, it, that's the word said. I have told you about this before, and some of you remember and some of you don't. That word, they use that word, and it, it appears often in, in Scripture and very often in, uh, in, in the Psalms. And it's a word that's, that speaks to them of the covenantal love of God. The love of God which comes because of who God is. Not because of anything we've done. Not because of any obedience we've had. It, comes, it, it is that love that is that picture of that love that comes because God is God. He said, you know, you will lead the people you have redeemed with your faithful love. It is a love that will not fail because it doesn't depend on you. It depends on Him. And He will lead you with that faithful love. It says, and you will guide them to that holy dwelling, that holy dwelling, that, 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 that whole picture there, you know, that holy dwelling of, of, of who He is. Now that word translated here, holy dwelling... It's the same, it has the same meaning as the word translated green pastures. It's not the same word, but it's a word with the same meaning. I, I love the, 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 the main meaning of that word is a meadow. And it's, it has the same meaning here as that green pastures in the Holman Christian standard. It's also the same, used, same word used to describe the land that the Lord promised to give his people after the Exodus. He says, indeed, you have not yet come into the resting place. Into that resting place and the inheritance 
the Lord your God is giving you. You know, for you and me, this is this is a, a, a description of what it feels like to belong to the Lord as we journey through this land here, uh, this wilderness of the world. You know, we're on our way to the promised land where we will dwell with Him forever. The green pastures and quiet waters depicted in Psalm 23, it's a place of rest for all those you know, whose life Jesus renews through faith in Him. Don't, make, don't, don't, don't be mistaken, this is not a psalm for everyone. What he's talking about here are, are all those whose life has been renewed. Those are the words he uses here in Psalm 23. They're renewed through that relationship with God. Our life is renewed through him, not because of us. And this is what humanity has been longing for ever since the fall in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, when they walked with God and they, and they walked with God face to face and they walked with Him in that garden and there was that presence there. There was a living, living and dwelling in the presence of God and they lost that in the garden. And man has been trying over and over and over again to, to, to reclaim that. The whole picture of the tabernacle, the picture of the tabernacle in the wilderness, and the temple then, when the temple was built, what was the picture of that? God said that, uh, you know, I, I want that tabernacle so I can dwell with man. The temple was the picture so that God could dwell again with man. Keep reading and you get on into the book of, into the book of Revelation. What happens in the book of Revelation? God dwells with man. It's the picture you have from the beginning, from Genesis all the way through to the end. And here's the picture right here. You know, he, he's un, unfolding that same picture. You know, that, that it, it is that place where we dwell with God. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. There might be things we want, good things, bad things, you know, inner things, wise, unwise things. Uh, but what Psalm 23 teaches us here is there, there is nothing you need that Jesus won't provide. And again, not in a prosperity gospel sense, but in the reality of how God cares and loves for us. Final verse in the next uh, two or three minutes here. Uh, It tells us about the path of the shepherd, the path of the shepherd. Verse 3, he renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. The point, of the, just, uh, the point of the journey is the destination. The point of the journey is dwelling with God. You know, there, there's the picture. The result of receiving the shepherd's attention, following the shepherd's way, that's a renewed life, a renewed life of walking the right path, living in his righteousness and living by his righteousness. Both of those together, there's a restoration that comes when I cease striving, when I cease fighting and striving to master the world and I'm content under the care of God. Content under the care of the provision of the shepherd. The shepherd is my primary agent in life. The experience, the experience of my renewal will always depend on my proximity to the shepherd. On where I place myself in proximity to Him. And when we move too quickly through life sometimes, when we get all going and get all carried, and get all carried away, and too often what happens is we begin to ignore the shepherd. We begin to make poor choices. You know, we prioritize the wrong things and we begin to equate our worth by the position we achieve or the accumulation of the junk that we have.
It's in coming close to the Lord. It's in coming close to Jesus and coming close to our shepherd that we find the rest and renewal that we want in life. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves. This is not the rest that comes you know, from stepping away and putting your feet up. He leads. He leads me beside quiet water. He, he leads means I follow. You see, he's leading and that means I follow. You know, and this is the rest we find as we step closer to our Lord Jesus you know, through, through the work of living, that we live it with him. Our experience of renewal, it's increased as we take that time to draw near to God in our daily living, as we gather together, as we listen, as we worship, as we join together even as a corporate body. You know, it's for, these are, you know, our opportunities to clarify once again the right paths, what it means to live for Him and with Him. Those things that are laid out in His Word, Psalm, 1, Psalm 19 says the instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. When we follow the Lord and His Word, we cannot help but be on the right path. When we follow the Lord and His Word, we cannot help but being on the right path. And we cannot help but living a renewed life. Take a minute. Just consider where you are with the shepherd right now. Consider where you are with the paths he has laid out for you in the Bible. Where are you with what he has told us in his word? We're either going to be, and remember, you are either going to be on the Lord Jesus path or you are going to be on a different shepherd's path. Because you are following someone. When a commitment, you know, when that commitment to hearing his voice through his word dwindles, then you inevitably end up leaving the path to follow. And if you're just a little off the mark now, two degrees off the mark now in a year is going to be miles away. We need to get back on that path. Life works with Jesus in a way that it simply doesn't work without Him. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. The foundation of our forgiveness, the foundation you know, of fearlessness, really our joy is the commitment of God following His own great name. He is who He says He is without any deviation, without any shadow. James, I like the way he puts it, Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And with Him, there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. Hebrews reminds us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This Lord, who is our shepherd. The first three verses of the psalm, the Lord, Yahweh, the self-existent one, this person is my shepherd, the one who cares for me.
because of who he is. And therefore, there is nothing I lack. In his provision, he, he lets me lie down in abundant green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters because I can rest knowing his presence is with me and he renews my life. He leads me along the paths, along the right paths for his name's sake because he is God. He is my shepherd. If you have this, if you have a relationship with the Lord as your Savior, you belong to Him completely and absolutely. And because of who He is, you have everything that you need. The Lord, the I Am, is my shepherd. Let's pray. What a great gift you have given us in yourself. What a great reminder this psalm is of what a great God you are. And what a tender, compassionate, providing God you are. Thank you for the reminder of how important it is to stay close to you. And when we wander, you call us back and welcome us back. What a great loving God you are. Keep us close to you, Lord. We need that help. And we need to thank you. We need to thank you for your provision, for your love, for your care, for your presence. That we are never on our own. Thank you for the renewal of life that comes when we walk with you. Thank you for the, the trust that, that is there, that, that we can trust you with everything in our life. And when it seems out of control, don't let us buy the lie of the devil that you don't care because that's just not true. When things seem to be overwhelming, don't let us be so foolish as to think that you've left us on our own. And don't let us buy the lie that you won't give us more than we can handle. Because sometimes you do. So we turn to you. And so we are reminded that you are God and we are not. Thank you for being our shepherd. Our loving, caring, providing God. We want to open ourselves up to you once again. And remember what a great God you are. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.